Hola, hola, hola. Welcome to episode 38 of Word to Your Mama. Today we have singer-songwriter, musician, Ceci Bastida. You might know her from the legendary group Tijuana No. You might know her from being with Julieta Venegas for a bunch of years, or you might know her from her own solo stuff. Today we have a fantastic convo. We get into how the pandemic has impacted her creativity, how she started her career at age 15 with the bandmates who were 15 years her senior, how that went down. It was another time, kids. It was another time. Also, how becoming a magical motherfucking warrior, a.k.a. mom, has changed her songwriting um, how to get in and out of that zone that cr- us creatives know that it's very hard to do. Also, we talk about her latest single that is out now called Kore, and it features Palestinian rapper Tamer Nafar. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name. It's fantastic. I'm going to have a link to all that. Also, throughout the conversation, we talk about Josh. Josh is her husband, um, Josh Kuhn. And sorry, Josh, I kept saying Joshua here and there. Um, He's a professor of communication journalism chair in cross-cultural communications at Annenberg School at the University of Southern California. And then when we talk about Julieta, when she mentions Julieta, she's talking about her best friend, fellow musician, singer, songwriter, uh, Julieta Venegas. So, yeah, let's get into this camp at her school oh nice like summer camp and um so that's helpful because like during the online you know school stuff it's just like you couldn't do anything yeah so, so that's what I was that's how I want to start how how has your life been during the ever-evolving <laughs> you know <laughs> realities of the pandemic I mean we're like over a year now so like how has it how has it been for you well it's been, I mean, it's been hard, but at the same time, it's, it's difficult for me to say that because I know in a lot of ways we're very fortunate. You know, we we have a home, we have food, all that stuff. We, we don't, we're not forced to leave our house to go to work. Yeah. So that is definitely a blessing and I'm very grateful for it. Um, you know, but if I want to be complaining, <laughs> you know, the struggle online school, is struggle, struggle is struggle. Yeah. The online school was tough. You know, we, it, we ended up getting a rhythm, but at the same time, you know, there's like arguing like, come on, you know, let's do this work. Let's do math, you know? So that sort of thing kind of took very much took over my life and, and Josh's too, but, but definitely mine more because his stuff, his job is more stable in yeah. my, you know, every musician I know is pretty much unemployed. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know, you know, uh, so it ended up falling a lot of it, a lot of it fell on me, fell on me. And um, so, yeah, it, it's something that forced me to sort of put pause on what I was working on, which is record that in my head, I thought I was going to release in 2020. Um, and clearly that didn't happen. And so I think it was more than anything was changing my, my brain a little bit, kind of like understanding that it was going to be a different year. Mm-hmm. And um and then for whatever reason, my focus had to be our daughter and understanding it and making peace with it was what made me be okay with it. You know, yeah. there was moments, there were moments where I was just like, oh my God, I should be like writing music or I should be. Um, but I was trying to give myself a break, you know, and, and, yeah. and I, I, it's hard to do it, you know, to do everything. It is. So, yeah. That was it. And so you're just, now you're in a, 
different space. And in a little bit, we'll definitely talk about like your latest project and stuff. Um, so I wanted to start off just because we know each other. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen you forever and I'm excited to hopefully see you when, you know, shit is safe and shit. Um, but I was trying to think, I know I met you through Josh, but I don't remember like the first time. Yeah. I don't remember either. It was a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember exactly how we met, but, um, but we used to see each other a little bit more, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, obviously now with the pandemic, you know, we're not going anywhere, but at least we would sort of like see each other at events or whatever. We had yeah. friends in common and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, uh, but that was like, I mean, I didn't even have Yami before. Like I, it was like, yeah, easily was pre-kids. Well. we were not, yeah. we were not pre-kids. moms at all. Exactly. So, so yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was remembering like, I, you know, had met Josh and then later on, like lost touch and then later on met him again with Jen. Mm-hmm. And then. I remember we went to LAMC in New York. Mm-hmm. I went with my homegirl, Karen. And then you you had a showcase and we were mm-hmm. at your showcase. And then I don't know if you remember, we went to Diplo was playing at the Apple Store. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> God, that was a long time ago. That was I a remember. long time ago. That was so much fun. And so yeah. I know you ended up working with him. But at, when we went that time, mm-hmm. he wasn't that big. Did you know him at that time? I, you know, it's funny because I've never met him personally. Oh. So, so no, I knew of him. Um, and then what happened was that um, my manager at the time shared, sort of shared an office with his manager mm. and, and they, they, they were friends, the, the managers. And so I had mentioned that I was sort of a fan of his and I mentioned it to his manager. And so we were just talking about a track and he sent over basically a beat and mm-hmm. we sort of wrote the song around it. So there was never like, uh, we were never in the same room, ah. you know? And, um, and for whatever reason, we ended up just not meeting. And then he got really big. This was back in 2009, 2010. Mm. He was still, he was starting to do well, but he wasn't like who he is now. Yeah. And so later on, he became so big that it was just like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen. It was fine. You know, I don't need to meet him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it worked out. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was thinking of, I was like thinking of like back in the days where we did pre mom shit and I was like, Oh yeah, that was so much fun. Cause I pictures. I remember because especially cause Karen at the time, she was a huge Diplo fan. Like I was a fan, but she was like crazy. And we we're just like, this is amazing. We're in this like transparent box. <laughs> uh-huh. Remember like the Apple store in New York with yeah. like this cube. And we're yeah. like, we're like, we're like having a dance party at the Apple store. This is amazing. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, but she ended up working. I was like, I'm going to ask her if, mm-hmm. if, you know, you guys had met up. So let's start a little bit for the beginning. I did an intro. People know a lot about you or like the origins of you a little bit, like your titles and your history a little bit. But I wanted to, I, I find it so interesting when I get to talk to friends mm-hmm. in this format, because I get to learn shit that we would never if we're just sitting, chilling, breaking bread, I would never, this would probably never come out or these types of questions or insights. So you started at 15. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did that, how did that go down? Like who brought you in? Like who was the mastermind? How did that all happen? So I lived in an area in Tijuana called Playas, which is close to the beach. 
And it was a very small community or like a very small neighborhood back when I was a kid. So families pretty much knew each other, not all of them, but I lived a block away from the drummer of Tijuana No. And his parents and my parents knew each other. Mm-hmm. So, so this guy, Alex, his name, he knew that I played piano and he was starting this band and I was walking to school or something and he saw me and he stopped me and he's like, Hey, you know, we're getting together um, to just like play around. Do you want to come? I know you play piano. Do you have a keyboard? And I had like this really sort of cheap Casio <laughs> keyboard that, you know, I, I used to get like a Casio keyboard for Christmas. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I brought the biggest one I had and we just used it and we just started rehearsing in the summer, you know, during that summer break. And um, so, so that's kind of how it started. But the, the funny thing is that we never, nobody ever thought, we never said out loud, we're, we're going to make a band and mm-hmm. plan is to do shows. It was just like hanging out. And to me, and these guys were much older than I was, or, or most of them were much older than I was. Uh, but to me, it was just like, I felt, you know, as a teenager, uh, I felt like I found a bunch of people that I connected with, yeah. you know, that I had things in common with, uh, which wasn't really happening as much at school. You know, yeah. like I, I felt, I felt like the girls at school um, were kind of interested in other things. And, uh, and I got along with some guys and stuff, but, uh, but when I met them, I just felt like, oh, okay. So this is, you know, what it feels like to be, you know, and, you know, finding your people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you just what started performing locally and then. Yeah. Yeah. So we started like, th- there were like a ton of people like coming in and out of the band. It was just like anybody who wanted to play would come over and just like rehearse and jam and whatever. And, you know, and we started writing songs and some of them were like really bad, but <laughs> it was, like really bad. And, um, but it was just fun. And then I don't know how somebody heard our music and was like, let's do a show in Mexicali, which was like two, two and a half hours away. Mm-hmm. And we started going playing at this bar. There was like this little bar and people got packed and it was really funny. Um, <laughs> so we just started touring in Mexicali and doing shows in Tijuana, Mexicali and Ensenada. And that was like our circuit. And, um, and I don't know, like, you know, I was so young, that to me, it was just fun. But yeah. at, again, I was not, I, I never thought, my plan is to make an album and like hopefully tour like that, you know, those words never crossed my mind. Yeah. And even as we were doing it, it was still like, Oh, this is fun, but I have no, no future plans really. Like I, I just didn't know. And what about your parents? Were they supportive or were they like, what, what's happening here? <laughs> they were actually supportive. It was funny because um, they were supportive at first. They were obviously had questions. Cause like I said, some of the guys were, much old. One of them was 15 years older than I was. Oh, so when wow. you're 15, you hang out, you hang out with a 30 year old. It just yeah. feels weird, yeah. but he was very charming mm. and he immediately kind of made friends with my parents. Like he was just like, you know, don't worry. It's all good. We're taking care of her. And he kind of took that role like really seriously, even though sometimes he was just like an, an idiot, like his behavior and stuff. But, but he would say stuff like, you know, I'm supposed to take care of you. And I was like, okay. So I think that helped. And, you know, and when we were doing those first shows or tours, I would go with my mom oh. and she would drive me to Mexicali. I would stay at an aunt's house. So it's like very sort of controlled in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. So honestly, I don't know. And I asked her the other day, like, how did you end up like allowing this to happen? And she was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just sort of trusted that everything was going to be okay. And, and talking to Julieta, 
you know, uh, the other day also uh, asking her about her time with us. Cause we, you know, we invited her to play for, for a little while. She is like, I always got annoyed that you got permission to play. And for me, it was a big deal. Like I had to ask my oh. parents like multiple times and assure them there was no alcohol and there wasn't this, you know? So, uh, so yeah, I don't know how, how they felt. I don't know. I, I guess people just thought that things were more chill back then. It was, it was a different time for sure. Could you yeah. imagine your daughter? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't know. I mean, the only difference right now that I think would be sort of a benefit is that at least you, you, you know, they have their cell phone or whatever yeah. they can, they can, you know, you can sort of be in contact with them constantly. I would go to Mexico city and we have to find a pay phone and call my parents and just say, you know, everything's going well. Yeah. So I feel like that's more nerve wracking than knowing that your kid has a phone that you can just text them, yeah. you know, yeah. whenever. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful to them because my parents, you know, my dad is very traditional in a lot of ways, very conservative in a lot of ways. So the fact that he allowed me to do this uh, was kind of amazing. If I, when I, Once I started thinking about it, it was like pretty, pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it was another time being Mexican mm-hmm. alone. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's yeah. a lot. That's why I was very very interested in hearing that. So when you guys, did you guys, when you, did you guys ever travel? Did you ever travel solo with them outside of Mexico? And how was that for you being outside of Mexico? Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, that happened a little bit later. So I was probably closer to 17. Mm. So I felt, or maybe they felt too, that I was a little bit older. Yeah. Um, and so when we left Mexico and like we went to Spain uh, a few times, um, they were kind of okay with it. It's it's funny, but they were <laughs> like if I think about it, it just seems so weird. But yes, they were they were they were okay with it. And um, and in the end, you know, I still was doing well at school, which was for my parents, it was like one of the most important things. Yeah. To be able to because in their head it was just like, you can do this, but you're you're gonna study something, you know, you're, you're gonna go to school. Yeah. Um, and so high school, you know, I, I did very well. And then after high school, I didn't know what I wanted to study because I didn't, you know, I didn't know. And so I started, pl- I continued to play and I think they were okay with it. But once I told my dad, you know, I'm going to go to the university, I'm going to study uh, history. He was like, okay, you know, it's not like architecture or, yeah. or you're not going to be a doctor. <laughs> doctor, lawyer. <laughs> yeah. But at least there's something. So I think that gave him peace. And yeah. then somehow, I guess they just got used to it because it's been like, God knows how long. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, I also wanted to talk about the the fact that, you know, we're mothers. Both of us are mothers now, but it does mm-hmm. not define us, but it it is a part of us. Yeah. Um, I remember we got our tattoos. Shout out to mm-hmm. Shizu. Uh, mm-hmm. We got our tattoos together at the same day, same time. Um, how has that, cause you're a creative person mm-hmm. and I feel like being a creative person, we all need the outlet. It's part of how we live and breathe. We need it. Right. We don't get it. It totally affects us mentally, physically, all that stuff. How, and you and I've had it back in the days, uh, cause I remember, I don't know if you, I, I think Julieta maybe already had her, her, like a child or was already a mom before you? Yes, yes. She so, was a mom like a year and, and four months before me. So you had mm-hmm. that glimpse, like 
you know, someone really close to you that went through it. You guys are mm-hmm. really close and you saw that. Like I had no idea, right? And I remember, you know, no one told me all this shit that was happening. And I remember mm-hmm. you and Joshua were so amazing and you guys came over and I was like in a daze because I think it was just like, it was a couple of months. Yeah. And you guys were like just breaking it down to me and telling me some real shit that I needed to hear mm-hmm. so that I wouldn't feel like a bad person as a mom, as a new mom. That, yeah. And I, I thanked you then. I want to thank you again now because I'm looking <laughs> back and I was like, yeah, okay. I'm not fucking crazy. Like this is some real things that go through your head. And I remember Joshua's like, I think he texted me. Oh, and then also you guys like, let me uh, borrow the swing. Yes. <laughs> or for the little man, because he couldn't sleep in a regular bed. He had to sleep in the yeah. swing. So that was like life, like life-saving shit. Yeah. And then, and then I remember uh, Joshua was like, I think he texted me when I was in the, in the three month mark. And he was just like, Sleep deprivation is torture. It's forms of torture. Guantanamo. We call you yeah. see, he said that you guys call it the Guantanamo phase. And yeah. I was like, I'm in that fucking phase. And no one told me <laughs> that this shit fucking sucks. And then um, I think you and I had a conversation. It's like, how the fuck? How do you? For me, I was devastated. I was like, I, it's like a whole new job, a whole new mm-hmm. thing that abs- it, it swallowed me whole. This mother, sh- you know, mm-hmm. motherhood shit. How did you? reconcile that how did you navigate that with your creativity maybe in the beginning then when it was Mm -hmm. brand new and now that you're you know years into it uh in the beginning it was hard you know because like like I think that nobody really knows as much as somebody might tell you um which is great because because you know knowing a little bit is better than nothing but uh but the experience itself it's yours and yours alone you know like it could be a very different experience for you than than mine Mm -hmm. so you know with our daughter it was just uh I remember feeling at one point frustrated and I realized later on that I had like baby blues yeah which I didn't you know at the time I wasn't really ready to admit I remember I was talking to my to uh uh yeah my daughter's pediatrician and I was and she's like how are you doing I was like you know it's hard uh and then she gave me a card for a therapist. And I was like, what? Like, so, <laughs> so I got kind of offended because I was like, okay, she doesn't understand, you know, like, she's crazy. Um, but then like, as like a year passed and I kind of like remembered everything, I realized that, yeah, maybe I, you know, I was going through something. Uh, I wasn't, it wasn't like, a, what do you call it? When, a postpartum depression, like necessarily, you know, a strong one, but there was some, some of it for yeah. sure. And um, I remember talking to my mom at one point, I was like, and saying like, you know, I just can't believe that this is, you know, that this is my life. And it sounded, it's horrible. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds. but she was like, you know, why would you, why would you want something other than this for now? You know, like why, why would something else be more important than, than, you know, keeping this child alive basically. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess. <laughs> so that made me sort of kind of refocus. Um, and so in terms of creativity, I didn't do that much in the beginning. I was so tired and, and, and it also didn't help that Yami had, um, she had a colic and, you know, acid reflux for like months. So my sleep was like almost non-existent yeah. for like a good year. So, you know, and it is torture. So that first year was just like impossible. Like I, I couldn't physically do any, anything. 
Um, and later on, when she, once she started getting better and she started sleeping through the night, then you start, you know, your soul comes back to you a little <laughs> bit, like you become yourself again. Yeah. And, uh, and then you figure out a rhythm, you know, you, you, it takes a lot of logistics, you know, like, okay, once you sleep, blah, blah, blah. Um, but all, at the same time, I was very fortunate to have to have a partner that is so present and, um, you know, basically equal and mm-hmm. taking care of, you know, when I was taking care of some things, he was taking care of the others. So, so it was just like a great, a great team that we created. So, I, and I know not everybody has that, but I am happy that I had that support system, you know? And so that helped me kind of go through it, uh, in a more sort of at peace way. Yeah. Because even with, with, uh, having amazing partners and not doing it solo and being equals, mm-hmm. it still fucking sucked. And so I was just <laughs> like, like, I, I, I have so much respect to those who are not fortunate, you know, who are in yeah. different situations. And I'm just like, uh, I don't, I don't understand it. So now are you in a, I know it's always evolving. You always, you know, there's so many different factors. Like you said, as a, as a musician, it's not a steady thing. Um, now is it easier to get into creative zone now that she's older and now that, you know, you're, it's been years later, or is it still an ever changing type of situation? I think it's definitely better. It's definitely better because now I understand, I mean, especially prior to the pandemic, I understood her schedule, you know, mm. and I knew that, and I'm a morning person anyway, so I, I work better in the mornings. So I know that um, once she's in school, I have a certain amount of hours that I can dedicate to my work. And um, so it's easier. It's way easier. Mm-hmm. Before I was like trying to get work done while she was napping. It was just like impossible. Cause like, you know, switching the, the like, you know, flipping the switch, you know, for like an hour while she's sleeping and all of a sudden feeling very creative is hard. You know, you can't, it's, yeah. it's not that easy. So now with her being in school or when she was in school, um, it just became a lot, a lot more manageable, like a lot. So I yeah. was able to sort of focus more and, and, and allow myself also like that hour of not creating anything, but just trying to get around ideas. And do you know what I mean? Like trying to yeah. get into a rhythm or a flow of things. Um, and not feel like, oh my God, I need to rush because, you know, something needs to come out now because she's going to wake up. <laughs> yeah. The anxiety. Totally. You, yeah. Hard to get in and out of the zone. Um, yeah. when before, and for me speaking for myself, I was like, man, I took, I had a lot of time yeah. <laughs> to just, you know, that, that, you know, discovery time when you're just kind of like bouncing yeah. things off of your, like you need that, you know? And I just had a bunch of it. And it's just like, once you become a mom, it's like, Okay. You need to learn how to get in and out or else you're fucked or else it's not going to happen. And then, like you said earlier, it's kind of releasing to the fact that this is what it is now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and just congratulate ourselves that we, you know, we kept a little person alive for all this mm-hmm. time. It's like, yeah. And also able to go in and out of creativity time and stuff like that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Ceci, I'm just here to remind you we're amazing. We're dope. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. are. And, and we're pretty dope. I think about, I think about what you said too. Uh, like, what was I doing with all the time I had before? You know, yeah. Like I had a lot of time and I wasn't as productive as I was now thinking about it I could have been <laughs> yeah totally I felt I thought that exactly I was like man I had like 
I was up till three, four o'clock in the morning, just doing mm. a, just whatever. And I could have done way more, but you yeah. know, hindsight, 2020, yeah. whatever, whatever. Um, so before I, before we go into the questions and comments from the audience, cause I feel the questions that were sent in will really give a little bit, a lot more insight to you. I wanted to talk about from jump have you always felt that you were that you wanted your art to have a message or is that something you evolved into Staying competitive in these dynamic times means having the right technology at work for your small or medium-sized business whether your goal is to grow downsize or modernize Panoply BPO provides the right combination of tools, support, and affordability necessary to make it a reality. Visit panoplybpo.com. That's P-A-N-O-P-L-Y-B-P-O.com to schedule your no-obligation consultation today. Mention WTYM and get your 13th month of service for free. Panoplybpo.com. There is a better way. I think I evolved into it because to me, when I first started music, I was uh, playing piano and doing keyboards. I didn't have like any plans to sing. Mm. Like that wasn't, that, that wasn't something that I was thinking about and it just kind of happened. And, um, and once it happened, I feel like what came out more naturally were songs that talked about issues that I cared about that were not necessarily uh, love songs, you know, which are great, but they just wouldn't flow. And it's, they still kind of don't like I'm, I, I'm better at like um, other things than a beautiful love song. And I'm always amazed when somebody writes a beautiful love song. I'm like, oh, how do you do it? I can't do it. Or I haven't been able to do it. Um, yeah, it somehow just happened. And I think it also, being a part of a band that was so political um, from a young age, I feel like it sort of shaped me a little you know, yeah. more than, than I thought it would. And so I basically talk about issues that are not too different from the ones that we talked about back in whenever. Um, but I just approached, uh, approach them in a different way. Like I, 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 sometimes I would not love that in my old band, it was so literal and it was so direct. Um, and I appreciate it more now also, but back then I was just like, you know, why, why does it have to be so like, you know, fuck this and the government sucks, you know, it was just too, too direct. And, uh, I wanted it to be different. So once I started writing on my own, I just felt like, I still was talk, talking about the same things or similar things, but in a, just from a different point of view or a different voice. Yeah. yeah. Cause it was just for you. You're representing you only. So yeah. you had a different voice. Yeah. Um, so I think this is appropriate time. Let's get into your latest project. I had the honor of listening to the full track and also watching the video. And I have to say, and not just cause I know you, because <laughs> I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm like super honest. I can't fake the funk. It's really fucking good. And no, I want to so know um, how this specific song, the project and your, your album in general, like you said, you, it was supposed to come out last year, but had this single that's coming out. By the time you guys are listening to this, it would already have been out. How did you uh, start this project and the amazing collaboration that you have on this track? So the project, the song I started writing probably in 2019, and that's when I started talking with Damer, 
who's the, the my guest on the track. Um, you know, the, the idea behind the album that I still haven't finished fully, but I'm, I'm focused on finally, uh, was around stories of migration, um, refugees and displacement. So they're all, again, they're not super direct. So I don't say like, you know, asylum, uh, but, <laughs> but there are different stories from different points of views. And that one is when I was writing this one, I was thinking about, do you remember, um, the sort of caravan of, of Central Americans that were arriving yeah. and how it became such a big deal here in the U.S., but not just here, also, also Mexico, which is, you know, a really, really tough journey to make. Um, so I wanted to write about that from the point of view of a woman. Um, and I knew that I wanted a collaborator. And I, I met, no, I didn't meet. I, I learned about Damir's band, uh, his old band, um, several years ago. And I thought they were great. And somehow I thought, how cool would it be to have him on the track? But I, I it just felt kind of like a long shot. And, yeah. um, and randomly, Josh knew somebody that was good friends with him that sort of worked with him. And, um, and so he, he sent me his email and I, I, I sent him the track and he, he loved it. So he said, yes. And I was like, Oh my God, he said, yes. Um, so we just were going back and forth, you know, like him sending me stuff and like him, he was like, no, oh, I don't like this. Let me try something else. Like, it just took a while uh, to get the right, you know, the right things that he wanted to say the way that he wanted to say them. Yeah. By the time I sent him to track, my part was done basically. And what, um, what year that was in 2019? It was in 2019, 2020. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, so yeah, once he, we were both happy with what he had written, he recorded over there. He's Palestinian. I don't know if we, we didn't mention that. No, no. <laughs> no you didn't. And um, he lives in that part of the world. So uh, he recorded on his own in the studio. He sent me a track and I just thought it sounded great. And, um, and so his verse talks about his reality and his experience with, uh, with a border and with, um, you know, dealing constantly with this like, you know, with Israel and the realities of living in the town that he lives in, you know, he, he lives in, in Israeli territory, but he's a Palestinian. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the stories were kind of similar in, in some ways, you know, he talks about, uh, for example, Palestinians who lived in Israeli territory, not being able to see Palestinians in Gaza, for example, which is not too dissimilar from, you know, Mexicans or, or, or from other parts of the world being here and not being able to see people in, you know, in their home country. Yeah. So, so I just thought it made sense. And, uh, and we just connected and understand each other really well. And I think uh, our ways of seeing the world are similar. Mm. And so it just kind of happened. So, yeah. it, it, it works really well that the fact that it's out now, not that what has been happening on, on our borders and with them has yeah. been happening the whole, this has, has been ongoing for a long yeah. time, but the fact that I feel that with social media and everything like that, it's on people's consciousness. Like it's, it's, it's maybe more talked about in a way that I maybe never seen, you know, mm -hmm. in the past couple of years. So this is like super timely. And I, I feel like people are ready to hear yeah. this type of track and this type of collaboration, I think is amazing. And I can't wait Thank for everyone you. to, to hear it. Um, and I know, you know, you've always been, you know, uh, like I said, you know, uh, kind of an activist in the, in what you talk about and stuff. And I remember 
not being able to attend, but you did that, um, what was it? Uh, Adelanto Center. Mm-hmm. It was like Miguel and like some mm-hmm. other people and stuff like that. Yeah. How was that? Tell us a little bit more about that event. And and because um, I think it was really important. And how was that experience for you? So I do a lot of work with an organization called Revolve Impact that had this project called Schools Up Prisons. And I did a lot of shows with them throughout California um, a few years ago. Basically, uh, a lot of a lot of the program focuses on, on formerly incarcerated people, but also people that have been in detention centers. And so they asked me to participate in this event that they were doing uh, in Adelanto, California, uh, demanding to close the detention center or prison uh, because when you hear about everything that goes on there, uh, it's just it's just you, it's insane. It's insane. So we did this show that happened in Adelanto, not out. We went outside of the detention center and like gave a whatever press thing. And then we did a show. And then what they did was really interesting because they put, it was like in a little stadium Mm -hmm. and uh, they put like a vending machine with the prices, you know, of how, how they are inside the detention center. Uh So like, like toothpaste would be like something like, I don't know, $10, something insane. Yeah. Um, and they also put like phone booths and, and said, you know, how much a, a call cost. And, you know, it, they just did it like really well. So people could actually walk through yeah. and see, you know, get a, a, a little bit of a sense of what was happening there. And at the same time, we met with people that had been in that prison for one of them was there for seven years, Ooh. you know, because this case was just like sort of in limbo. And this was a man from, I want to say Kenya. Mm. And, um, and he had the best attitude. He was just talking about his experience there, you know, talking about the food, for example, you know, full of maggots and stuff. It was just like, so it was very eye opening for me and, and for me, Miguel too, because he was just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) He was just like, he couldn't believe it. And he was doing it also filming a video for, you know, for for one of his songs. Yeah. So he was at the same time, he's kind of learning about, about all of this. And he would say it openly. Like, I'm just like understanding what's going on. And he was as, you know, as, as shocked as, as anybody. Yeah. So that's kind of how that happened. And in, you know, in, they just do really great work. So I'm fortunate to, to be able to sometimes be a part of it. That's awesome. That's amazing. You do amazing stuff, Ceci. Let's get into these questions and comments from the audience. We have um, some some huge fans of yours. One is, the first question is, what is one thing you picked up on during the pandemic or, you know, in 2020 or during the pandemic? Like one thing you you learned, a new skill or a new view? I a skill, I didn't really have time for a skill. <laughs> you know? Like I, I would see friends of mine that didn't have kids and they were like, you know, I'm learning a new language and I'm doing yoga every day. Baking bread. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Um, I think one thing that I did do and that I need to continue to do is meditate more. Because I feel like I, I feel like at one point it was getting to me emotionally. I was just like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Like I, I couldn't see uh, an end in sight. It was just too much. So I thought meditation was going to help calm me in that. So I was doing it a little bit uh, more than I do now. Like, I feel like I need to go back to it and I just haven't. So I- <laughs> Same, same. I was doing a hardcore, like for me, five minutes every, like five minutes Monday through Friday was my deal. Like that's, that's what right. I could, what I could do. And, and uh, my doctor was like, you know, try to do it 
longer or more often? And I was like, eh, I don't know. But, you know, I, I was just thinking about that yesterday. I was like, I need to go back. I feel like it really helped. Yeah, it that, does. Que- that question was from Martha Mota. Um, yeah, because people have to understand, especially as uh, people of color, Mm-hmm. We were dealing with the pandemic. <laughs> we mm-hmm. were dealing with the uprisings, the injustices, mm-hmm. uh, the trash ass administration. I mean, they've always been trash, but you know, a uh, little bit extra extras. Um, mm-hmm. The election, what they were trying to do, like it was just levels upon levels upon levels. So mm-hmm. I was like meditating, journaling. <laughs> I was like, what can I do to get, we're stuck in this motherfucker. What can I yeah. do? And I think that's amazing that you, you know, you recognize that, that you want to go back to it. Cause we forget, mm-hmm. right. We're like, Oh, it's a pandemic, but yeah. it's not as like, as crazy. Uh, I mean, who's to say when this comes out, we might be in another lockdown. We don't know, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? It's, it, that's a, that's a good thing. I think it's helpful regardless pandemic or not. Definitely. Um, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So next one um, in her music, she seems to, to be so open, free, independent, and strong. How did the, the pandemic effect that like in general women mothers had so much on their plate how did the effect uh how did that impact her work create in her creativity relationships etc if she felt anger rage resentment how did she deal with it this is from mm-hmm. maria elena Rowe. um it's interesting because i feel like we i went through all of it you know anger at times uh frustration at times resentment at times Uh, but I think, I think again, going back to meditation, I also was walking a lot. I've been walking a lot uh, because we, because we adopted a dog. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of dog? She's a Husky. Uh, She's a, you know, it's a rescue, but she has, you know, she has energy. So I take her on long walks in the morning and I would listen to sometimes audio books, sometimes like not meditation, but like talks about well-being and you know and healing and all that stuff I think that is whenever I felt like I was like going crazy I would always go back to to listening to you know somebody somebody give a talk about you know inner peace or whatever it was Mm. something to just calm me because I feel like that was the thing that when I felt like I wasn't calm then I felt like I had uh, no patience for anything and uh, and then I had the guilt you know like like we were talking in the beginning that I was like, why am I complaining so much if I'm so fortunate to have all this? So it was trying to make peace with like, okay, you're allowed to not be fully happy, but I'll also recognize, you know, how fortunate you are. And, and also do your part to try to help this as much as you can, which means, you know, stay home, don't be stupid, <laughs> that sort of thing. So yeah. as long as I felt like I was doing something, um, I felt okay. That's awesome. You know, a Husky, I don't, we don't have a dog. We mm-hmm. hope to someday. Um, Husky, since I was a kid, has always been like my dream dog. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's always been my dream dog. So when I see them, I'm like, you know, like the creepy, the creepy person. Like, hey, like cat calling the Husky because I love them so much. Do you mind me asking, what did you, what's your dog's name? Ollie. Cute. Yeah, she's short for Olivia. Oh, too cute. Love it. <laughs> love it. You know, and and I think because we couldn't go anywhere, I think a lot of us, and hopefully it doesn't stop now with the pandemic going in and out or whatever, is for, for you, and it sounds like for you, and especially for me, I was never an outdoorsy nature person, but it, I'm, I am now. <laughs> yeah, 
you know, like reconnecting, grounding that's that stuff like that. I never understood it before. I get it now. No, but it, it, it does give you some sort of peace. Like even if I got up early and I was like, oh shit, I have to go take, take her for a walk and I don't want to. Once I was out with nature and, and, you know, just like seeing the sun come out, that itself was just like, okay, everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely with nature is one thing that happened. And I think it happened to a lot of people, which is beautiful. Yeah. And that's why I hope, you know, they don't remember, you know, I mean, they don't, I'm sorry that they don't forget, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) That, that, that what they went through, like, like, I I don't want, I don't want us to come out of this. I mean, for, I feel for us that that we worked for ourselves forever. Mm -hmm. We're a certain breed and we, we got it already and we still learn shit during this pandemic. But I think for everyone else that we're on their hamster wheels, mm-hmm. I hope they learn something and, 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 and gained something so that they don't immediately go back to the hamster wheel and forget it. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's, that's my hope. Um, yeah. Okay. The last question and comment from the audience, it's two parters. What song or group made you fall in love with ska? And then the second part is, Ska is a precursor to reggae and reggae is a precursor to hip hop. Ska is also heavily influenced by rhythm and blues, a precursor to rock and roll and, and most modern pop. How influential do you consider ska to be in the overall global music scene and industry? Do you feel it is given its proper respect by mainstream media? And this is by Rocker. Oh my God. I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be talking to our girl, Sassy. Do you want to, he goes, yeah, let me think about it. Boom. And I was like, it's a paragraph over here. Yeah. It's like an essay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think you can, well, what made me fall in love? Um, I mean, early Bob Marley uh, was good. Uh, then later on, like Selector, for example, um, I used to love, I loved her voice. Um, and obviously the specials, all that two-tone stuff, um, I really, really loved. Um, and then later on bands that incorporated ska, you know, like the clash and, you know, bands like that. Um, but, um, it's, you know, I don't think it has the, I don't think you, people listen to it as much, or, I mean, in the mainstream, you know, I don't think people are necessarily, uh, mixing it so much in the mainstream, you know? a kind of music that's in the mainstream. You don't hear about it so much. Yeah. Uh, but obviously there's underground movements and there's, you know, in Mexico and Latin America, like Scott is pretty, you know, very, very present yes. and very much loved. And um, and also in Europe, you know, these bands from Mexico that tour Europe and do amazingly. And they're just doing ska mixed with like some Mexican stuff. Uh, but in the mainstream, I don't, I don't hear it as much. I yeah. love it. I think it's great. Um, but uh and whenever I play it, whenever I listen to it randomly, I just get in a good mood automatically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think, I think that's how I got to listen to, to ska and reggae. It was like when I first started like kind of discovering music and I discovered, you know, Bob Marley and all that stuff. And, and again, Selector, we ended up performing with them at one point and it oh, was awesome and it was great. So yeah, I guess. That, Were you like freaking out? Like, well, this is my life right it was funny because you know we were all older and it was just like hearing her perform and you know she was I don't know what old she was she's probably in her 50s or something or maybe even more and she was just you know had the great voice that she always had and yeah. uh it was just cool it was like oh how funny you know there's a band that I used to love <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um I have a maybe a couple episodes 
episodes before yours, I have Junior Francis on and he talks about um, how it is when he goes to like his his crazy fans or the best shows, the best parties when he, you know, he's a selector at a place is when he goes to Mexico, mm-hmm. you know, and because it's a love, it's a it's a yeah. genuine love that he said he hasn't seen waiver at all, yeah. at no. all since the 80s, since he can remember yeah. he hasn't seen. And I was like, yeah, hard, Mexicans, hardcore, hardcore. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get into the not so rapid fire questions, the AKA slow as hell questions. Three words to describe yourself, Ceci. Oof. Uh, oh, God. Uh, uh, <laughs> patient. Um, anything. Um, uh, what do you Loving, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, homebody. Okay. All right. There's probably what? better, better, better words that I could have <laughs> said, but I can't remember. No, that's good. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've received? Oof, uh, um, I guess, I don't know if it's the best one, but not hold on to things and accept, you know, things that come to you. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense, but just that like, makes sense. Learn, I guess, learn to let go and, you know, don't, don't be so focused on what you expected things to be. Yeah. And if they don't, you know, cause then you get super frustrated when they don't happen exactly how you want them to happen. So be able to let go. Yeah. That's wisdom. That's definitely huge life advice. Listen to that, kids. Listen to that. Okay, next. What song gets you hyped? What's your hype song? I know, especially as a musician yourself and a creative and just someone that loves music, you probably have different ones. But what's like one that just yeah. pops in your head? Like, I need to get pumped. Pumped. Or I'm a little nervous. What, do, what do you put on? I think it depends. You know, it depends on the on the mood. But like sometimes if I listen to like a PJ Harvey song, mm. for example, I get like pumped. Uh, but then I can listen to a Clash song and then I get pumped. Uh, I guess it depends. Uh, you know, Guns N' Brixton, which is like so obvious, but it's such a great song. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. There's so many. But yeah, there's some good know. ones. There's some good yeah, ones. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, what will be your legacy, Ceci? Oh, God. See, that's a hard one. I don't know. Do you know what your legacy is going to be? I don't, I don't know. I just hope. I think for me, for me, thinking about it, just because I'm a, you know, a magical motherfucking warrior, a.k.a. mom, I feel like my legacy is this human and I hope that he mm-hmm. turns out to be OK. And then yeah. other than that, I just hope that I leave something behind and make people smile when they when they think of me or they see my yeah. work. They they're like, ah, <laughs> can I copy your answer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Yeah. No, I think definitely um, raising a child is like it's an incredibly difficult, but, but amazing job. And if I am able to, um, teach her to be kind and empathetic, that is a huge win. That's success. Yeah. That's definitely success. success. Um, okay, Ceci. Well, thank you so much. I wanted to just say that I think you're amazing. Um, since you've been doing this shit for a long ass time, but out of the gate, I feel like I think you know it, whether you will will admit it or not, that you I feel have have touched so many people, especially, um, you know, young girls that were able to see you and be like, oh, that's someone like me. And she's not doing like sippy sappy shit, you know, (laughs) poppy shit. She's she's being whoever she is. And I can relate to that. There's other, you know, 
probably boys and girls that that saw you, heard you and felt the same way that you felt in their school, in their neighborhoods. And and we're like, there it is. That would be amazing. So thank you for everything. I'm excited to, you know, hopefully in the pandemic, after the pandemic, whenever, I don't know what the fuck yeah. this is. Nobody knows. <laughs> like, uh, you know, hopefully to see you and hopefully finally the, the, our, our humans that we have kept alive yes, <laughs> can, can finally meet. That would, that would be dope. Um, and uh, so when is the full blown album going to be released? So the plan is to release it in 2022. So okay. I, I might release more music in the fall. Okay. And, uh, but I'll keep finishing the album and, and hopefully have it ready by the beginning of 2022. At least that's sort of the aim. How close are you to being done? I think I'm 80%. 80% nice. Yeah, it's okay. not it's not bad. I just need to get my shit together. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of on me. <laughs> Take your time. And then you don't have to tell us mm-hmm. who, if if there are, but are there any more um, guest spots? So far, no. I think so, that might be the only one. Nice. Yeah. Oh, before we leave, before we stop recording, um, one, in one of your albums, you recorded Look Good in Leather. And that was, <laughs> I never told you, I don't think I told you, I might've, but I don't remember. I love, cause I loved Cody Chestnut and I don't know what happened to him. And I, when that, I his album came out and I heard that song, I was like, I don't know what it is. Like, I love the song. And then you come out with their album. And then I was like, she, she, she redid the song. How did that come <laughs> about? <laughs> um, oops. Like, like you, I really love that album. The Cody Chestnut album. And that I was, was 2002, Sessie. Is that true? That is, I looked it up when wow. his, when that song came out. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow, that's insane. So I used to love that song. And I was thinking, I think sometimes what I do is I'll like try to do a cover at home. Um, when I feel a little stuck, mm. sometimes it kind of like helps to just like listen to somebody or try to play another song and see like, oh, wow. Like you just learn so much when you interpret other people's music. And so I thought, I'm going to just play around with it. And I thought about doing it really slow. And, um, and so I proposed to the, the producer that I was working with at the time. I, told, I gave him a very simple demo. And, um, and I told him what I was thinking of. And he sent over this sort of really lush track with, you know, layers and layers. And, <laughs> and, um, and he just messed with my vocals so nicely, I thought. That yeah, that's how it happened. And we just ended up including it in the album, which was kind of like a funny thing because the whole album was, you know, focused on something very specific. And then there was that track, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was hard to explain why it was there, but uh, it was just basically because I love it. Yeah. I love the song. Yeah. Great minds. Well played. <laughs> I love that song. I was like, I gotta, I gotta tell her that I love it. How did she get there? Cause I didn't so even know. Do we, do we, do we know what? I'm going to have to do some research. Do we know what happened to Cody Chestnut? I don't. I don't. It was funny because when I was playing with Julieta, mm-hmm. we played a show, Austin City Limits once, and he mm-hmm. was performing. But that was a while. I mean, that was after that record, like not too long after. I think he was touring that record. And I, and I was very excited. I didn't meet him. He was just there. I saw him from afar, but I'm just like <laughs> such a, I'm such a dork that I was just like, I can't, you know, what am I going to say? <laughs> so I just watched yeah. him like a, yeah. like a freak. Um, but uh, <laughs> But that's the last, you know, that's the last I actually heard of him performing anywhere. So I don't know. Yeah, I want, I'm going to have to do some research. Yeah, because I, I, I'm interested now because just his style alone, like 
his look, his retro yet, you know, futuristic look like it was a lot. That's a lot to, to take in. And yeah. then his voice and his steez, the raspiness. Cody yeah. Chestnut, hope you're doing okay. <laughs> hope you made it. Hope you made it through. <laughs> Ceci, Bastida, thank you so much. I appreciate you. you taking the time. It's so good to see your face. So great to see your face too. And hopefully we get to see it in person. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Have your kids been in a house playing video games in your space way too long? Now you can get them outdoors and still be social while social distancing at the skate side after school and group skateboarding classes. Skate students get to improve their skating and decompress after a long day or week of school. This program is awesome for beginners to get started or advanced skaters to take their skills to the next level. Go to theskateside.com and learn about our COVID-safe programs in Santa Monica, Culver City, Glendale, and South Pasadena. That's T-H-E-S-K-A-T-E-S-I-D-E dot com. The Skate Side. More kids skiing. And now, introducing... The Supernatural Bear Corner. Supernatural Bear. 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 Who am I? Them girls, them sugar? Boom. The shoo-be-doo. Yeah. There it is. Episode 38, Ceci Bastida. How dope was that? In the show notes, kids. Now Spotify has upped their game and now in-app the links work. Before, it's like, what is all this jumbled stuff? Now the links work. So whether you're in the Apple app or in Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast, there'll be clickable links. So I always have links to any, try to remember anything that we d- discussed in the podcast. So I'll have for her, I'll have link to one of my favorite Tijuana No songs, Pobre de Ti, and also her current amazing single, Core. And I'm super excited for her album, see what that sounds like when it comes out. Also, uh, I always, tr- I always, I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure almost every episode I, in the show notes, I've always had links to whatever songs they mention as like their hype songs. And if they mention a couple, I try to do a couple. So that'll be in there too. And coming soon, I'm almost done. I put a, I made a Spotify playlist of all the special guests and their hype songs. It's It goes, you know, Everywhere from, uh, I think, Wu-Tang Clan to Robin. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was different genres, too. So, it's pretty good. I listened to it um, the other day, what we have so far. Also, I did a deep dive into Cody Chestnut. I was I went to his Instagram first, where one goes. And he hadn't posted for, like, a long time, like 200 and something weeks. So, I was like, oh, no. And then I did a deep dive. And he created one of the songs for the soundtrack of the Pixar movie Soul. So that came out in 2020, which he probably did probably in 2019 or so. Who's to say? So yeah, good for him. Good for him. 
Thanks again for all the support. Continue listening. Uh, next month, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary. That's exciting. And if all goes well, one of the the people that asked questions and comments from the audience, Raka, he'll be a special guest. He promised. He really didn't promise me. He promised Supernatural. But still, promise is a promise. So that shall be super interesting. Anyways, thanks again. And we'll see you next time. We reap. Word to Your Mama is owned and produced by Ritz P. The intro is produced by Nico Beats. If you want to get a hold of us and see other things, all there is to know, go to wordtoyourmama.com. And as always, Word to Your Mama is brought to you by ritzyperiwinkle.com and panablybpo.com.